Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. What is the statute of limitations on this crime? What fresh hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. Sometimes the omelet pan gets done. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I'm bored. We never do anything fun. Like <laughs> a podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Mom, you make seriously everything worse. everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're going to talk about changing the stories we tell ourselves, which we talk about kind of a fair amount, but I thought time to really circle this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. with the red pen. Yeah. Let's dig in. Deep dive. Let's dig in. This idea came from a listener via mailbag. Should we start with mailbag? Always. Oh, yes. Wait a minute. Time for mailbag. Wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check the mailbag. Or whenever we have one. <laughs> Not always. Right. Well, we do. This week, Hadley sent us an Instagram message. She listened to We Caught Our Spouses Being Awesome. We'll link to that one in the show notes. And she wrote in to say, you guys are the best. This is a feel good, Margaret. Get ready. You guys are the best. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm soaking in it. Hadley says, it feels good to listen to you and the listeners share their frustrations. It makes me feel less alone and more heard and seen. But Margaret's whole watch your story thing is such good advice. This episode shows you gals really want us happy and healthy. I adore you. So smart. So funny. Such good moms. Thank you, Hadley. Huge, huge of true, Amy. I love it. Yeah, huge of true. I love the name Hadley, first of all. Love it. And I really appreciate the feedback that gave me my feel goods, my good feels for the morning. I was just thinking about this. I just took my kids on our first overseas vacation. We went for six days. This is what happened. We were looking at camps for our kids and camps are I mean, maybe it's just New York, but I mean, they're so expensive. I have three kids and it was going to be like ninja training. I mean, it wasn't like, I don't know. It wasn't like practical skills or learning something. It was just, I don't know, silly camp. Thousand. It was like go goof around with peers. Yeah. Yeah. Like a thousand bucks a week. And I kept saying to my husband, we could take our kids to France for how much we're spending on this. And then finally, after six days of saying it, I said, let's just bail on all the rest of our summer plans and do one week in France. And so we went to Paris for three days and London for three days with my three kids. And 
I found myself, as I started crazy planning this trip, as my kids' first time out of the country, and oh my gosh, it was going to be amazing, and one of my kids is studying French, that this story started to become, this will be the world's most perfect trip ever to France. It was expensive. There was a lot of pressure on it. And it was such a good watch my story because people, many people give me the good advice. You maybe have, you may have been one of them to say, just the fact you're there is a win. And so try to see one thing a day. But my kids still, there were two days where my kids sat in the hotel room and watched like weirdo British TV with like, I don't know, men pretending to be pirates and some weird show that they got into. And that was fine too. And I needed to like check my story of like, they will... I don't know what, like have the most amazing time of their, well, it was just going to be like perfect. It was going to be perfectly planned. It was going to be completely different than our regular lives. They weren't, of course, going to spend any time on screens. They weren't, we were going to make the most of every minute. And in fact, so here's the perfect example. We're on the double-decker tour bus taking the tour around Paris where you see all the sights. We're driving down the Champs-Élysées coming up to the Arc de Triomphe the famous like site as you come up the street and my kids look out the side and they realize there's a stranger things store on the Champs-Élysées. It's like a pop-up store that sells stranger things merchandise. I believe there was one in New York City. I was going to say about 40 minutes. Readily available. Yeah. In the United States on the internet. (laughs) We had randomly hooked up with friends who were also there. So my kids, it was five of us, my three kids and their two friends. And they went insane. And all they cared about in the world was the Stranger Things store. But my story was like, we are here to see France. So I said, minute for minute, this must be the most meaningful week we've ever had. And like, of course, we're not going to the Stranger Things store because we are here in French (laughs) to learn about France and to like behold the Mona Lisa in all of its glory. Right. And luckily, my husband and my friend who had run into we're like, ah, let's let them go. So we get off the bus heading for the Arc de Triomphe. And instead, we're now standing in a one hour line to get into the Stranger Things store to buy very expensive Stranger Things merchandise, which has nothing to do with France. And I will say my kids had the time of their lives. They were so excited. They loved it. And it involved changing my story about what the perfect vacation looked like, because they do talk about that. Like when we're like, what's we now have to say, what's your favorite thing we did on vacation that wasn't the Stranger Things store? Because that was their favorite part. And for me, that's wrong. Right. That's not right. That's not what we went for. But we randomly ran into friends of theirs and went to the store that was like they had recreations of all the scenes. I've never even watched Stranger Things. And they just were super into it and they loved it. And it made the entire experience memorable and great. But my story would have been, this wasn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't go. If you stayed on your story of minute for minute, this must be the most meaningful thing that's ever happened, then you would have had a fight with your kids in order to try to create something better. You would have ended up creating something less good. Yeah. And I legit wouldn't have let them go because I would have said, we don't need, who needs to go to the Stranger Things store? We're in Paris. We're supposed to be looking at Paris stuff. And that would have been the wrong instinct. My story was leading me astray. I wanted to break down like the stories we tell ourselves. I feel like we throw this around a lot, but like, what does it mean actually, right? Like, what do we mean when we say story? Like, what do we mean when we tell ourselves? Like, what is this all about? So I got some good biological imperative stuff for you. This is... Oh, lay it on me, Amy. This is a story I like to tell myself that there's biological imperative for stuff. So a story, like... I believe that story is true. A story, we can just say a story is a... Or events that 
haven't happened or haven't happened yet, but they could. So before you went to France, you were like, this is how France is going to go. That was a story you were telling yourself, right? Like berets and baguettes and a new appreciation of the finer things. That was how France was going to go. And then when it departs from the narrative, you get concerned. So yes, this writer, Carl Alviani, I'll put the link in the show notes. He wrote a really fascinating sort of breakdown of why he argues that stories, our instinct for stories as humans is a biological imperative. Okay. And it's because of this. He says, I'm going to quote him here. He says, humans don't have sharp fangs or thick hides or blinding speed. Our evolutionary advantage has always been our ability to solve problems. And in particular, our ability to solve problems as a group to cooperate creatively at a large scale. So in order for us to survive as a group, we have to make the individual want to behave in a way that benefits the entire group. So we have to agree as a group on what our story is. We all have to be moving towards the same thing. You can't be like trying to kill a lion over there and I'm trying trying to kill a lion over here. We have to together kill the same lion because it matters. So we have to agree. So that's where stories come in. You have to see that your neighbor's welfare is tied up with your own welfare and that we are contributing to something together. So that's why we make stories. They help us survive. Got it. They stick us together, right? So a story, he says, links an idea to your ego and it makes it sticky. So you'll remember its lessons. Like a good story is sticky. A good story, you'll carry it with you. Like, oh, never, don't fly too close to the sun or whatever the story is. You remember the lesson. And the more the hero of the story is like you, the more likely you are to remember it and the stickier that it is, the more you recognize yourself in the story that's being told. So that's why we have stories. So stories help us survive as a group of people and not all just do our own thing all the time. Okay. okay. Right. I believe this so far. Yes. So, but then the problem is our brains start to seek stories everywhere we go and create stories where in fact none exists. Yes. This makes sense. Yeah. It's a little bit less applicable to France has to be perfect. Then I'm the only one who ever does anything around here. Right. Like that kind of story. Right. Our brains are wired for story. Our brains try to connect the dots where they don't really have to be. There's just dots. They don't have to be connected at all. But our brains like story. Stories help us survive. So our brain tries to find a story. Mm. Right. Okay. This is super interesting. Yep. So there's a there's another guy named Kendall Haven. I'll link to his stuff as well. He studies the science of storytelling. And he says that in order for what's happening around us to make sense to our brains, we will make up stories. And in order to have the story work our brains are willing to make assumptions, connect you know dots without reason to do so, change facts, reverse facts, make up facts, and you know maybe most importantly, ignore the things that don't fit the story that your brain is trying to create. Yeah. So like if your kid is, I'm trying to enter the story of your kid for a second. If your kid the next day is standing in a long line to do something you wanted to do, to see the Mona Lisa... Your kid's story is maybe mom never lets me do anything fun, right? Mom is the worst, always and never, and never lets me do anything fun, conveniently leaving out the point that you went to the Stranger Things store for like an hour and a half the day before, that we're willing to throw things overboard. Oh, for sure. I mean, I had a kid on this trip who was like, I'm not going to be able to find anything I like to eat, and then ate like a king for four straight days, <laughs> and then we went somewhere for like a little dessert stand, and they don't like crepes, and everyone was enjoying the crepes, and 
he really said, I told you I wasn't going to be able to find anything I like to eat. Because like on day four, there was one time where he couldn't find anything to eat. So yes. Mouthful of bechamel sauce. He's like, I told you, this place is terrible. Yeah. Well, he didn't He didn't want to eat the crepes. So it was like destiny fulfilled, you know? And that's why we say be careful of your story, right? Because part of it is that you, it becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like if the story is, I won't find anything I like to eat on this trip, then you're waiting for that penny to drop the whole time. You can't let go of that story, right? You have to see that story fulfilled. And it's exceedingly easy, isn't it, to see it in our kids, like this camp will be boring or you always make me do stuff I don't want to do. Like it is it's very easy to see the oversimplification in somebody else's story. But yeah, or I'm the only one who knows how to load the dishwasher or I'm the only one who does anything around here in our own stories. There's a story I'm thinking of, like my husband's story is he dries the dishes. He's getting better at doing the dishes. Like sometimes the omelet pan gets done, guys. Was it the national shaming that he's received on our on our social media feeds? Yes. Yes. I recommend yep. starting a podcast, having it run for five, six years, and then enough people will come up to you and be like, so what's the deal with it on the plan? Yeah. And it'll, it'll affect change. Yeah. Why can't you just clean the omelet pan? All right. Huge. You've got a new plan for us all. So the story has moved slightly from leaving an omelet pan to soak for later is the best way to clean an omelet pan, which I disagree with that story. It's moved to sure. now that the kids are all home over the summer and we're kind of you know cooking dinner on weeknights and kind of hanging out, there's a little bit less of a frantic pace. So we're getting, people are participating in the meal prep and in the cleanup a little more than usual. But anyway, the new story I've noticed is that you can dry everything, but then it all has to be left on the counter, every pot, pan, colander, and, you know, weird spoon, because you know where it goes and I don't, right? Like, only mom knows where this stuff goes. So it, it all just has to be left out on the counter until there's like nowhere to put anything because everything is out on the counter. Okay, I have a curious question for you. This is said with no judgment, but I want to know your truth. Is it true that you would normally complain that things were put away incorrectly? Or is it 100% just like, they're like, oh, uh, mom knows where to do it. That's a total falsehood. I swear to God, it is number two. I was like, what do you mean? Like the pots and pans go like, well, I don't know where they go. And like you open a drawer, see if there might be some other pans in there and then just shove them in there. Like, I, yeah, no, I am very detached from what Got goes it. where. So they're not, their story is wrong. Okay. Yes. You might think, right, that I am like lids go here, organized by size and type. No, no, I'm really not. And... Okay. So it really is just that they're like, I'm done. Right. My husband and I have this and I'm much more at fault than he is. The laundry is done when the clothes are folded and put away. Like that's our problem is always like, oh, the laundry's done because it's dry in the dryer. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, that's not done. Right. That's like, there's like four steps left. Yeah. 45% of the way there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's not even the halfway point. But I don't know how to fold the towels. Like, you know how to fold the towels. Like, no, but that doesn't mean no, you can't fold the towels or they can't. Right. We're kind of moving to that now. Like I'll participate some, but then really only you know how to do it. And then as I angrily shove the pots and pans into these you know, doors that can't really accommodate the number of pots and pans we have, because that's how we are. We live in a house with too many pots and pans. I do revert to the story of once again, I am the only one who ever does anything around here, even though my teenagers like washed, dried and then just, you know, kind of pooped out and left the pots on the counter, but they got it most of the way there. That's still better than it was. 
But we're both stuck in our story of, well, I can't finish because mom will think it's wrong and me thinking I never get any help around here. Both aren't totally true. I think we're landing on a key aspect of the story and I'm going to pick it up as soon as we get back. Okay. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew and believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. Talking about, like, this is their point of view, this is my point of view, the thing I think that we insert in story and my husband is really good about this and has helped me with this, is that we insert motive into our stories about other people. That we assume that other people have an agenda that relates to us that is often bonkers. Okay. Tell me more about this. So my husband leaves his dirty socks on the bathroom floor, not because he took off his socks to take a shower and that's just where he left them and where he's used to leaving them. He took those off to signal to me that he is blind to all the work I do in the household. He took them off directly trying to disrespect me and my role in the house because he no longer sees me as the beloved sexy girlfriend love of his life, he now sees me as like the Irish washerwoman who lives to pick up other people's things and works for everybody in the house. Yeah. I mean, kind of, yes. 
That is not his intent, but that is the story you tell yourself, that his action had an intent behind it. Yeah. And I do think that we have in a number of discussions on the podcast. We talked to Matthew Frey. Matthew Frey about him coming from the husband's point of view on this and saying, you know, that his marriage ended because his wife kept saying to him, this is important to me. And him saying, they're just socks. And then eventually she's like, I don't care if they're just socks. I'm leaving you, basically. And I do think it doesn't mean that it's okay for the socks to be there. It doesn't mean that it's not disrespectful for the socks to be there. But I do think that when the story becomes, this is all being done to me out of disrespect, you've got a little bit of a problem with your story. So there's this this idea called cognitive mediation. That is what this is all about. So let's dork out on this for a second. So... Cognitive mediation, this psychologist named Richard Lazarus kind of came up with it in the 20th century. And he was explaining for the first time that there is something that happens in between something that happens to you and your reaction to it. And we've kind of talked about this before, like the snake in the yard is going to affect you very differently if you're in the yard with the snake than if you're in the kitchen looking out the window at the person in the yard with the snake, right? You'll have a different reaction. But that the snake causes a reaction in you, but that reaction is caused by your thoughts. Like there's something that happens in the middle that he calls appraisal. So that when you see the socks on the floor, the socks on the floor give you a thought. You appraise them. You appraise them as like these these have an intention behind them. This means to me that my spouse doesn't think my time is as valuable as his is. And that causes your emotion right? It's like the socks on the floor aren't making you mad. It's your thoughts about the socks on the floor that are making you mad. And I think it's a, that's just a more fancy scientific way of saying that's a story you tell yourself. It's something you're sliding in between. You're adding it to the sock and it's causing the anger. So therefore, if you want to not be angry about the socks, you have to accept that there is a middle step there happening. It's your appraisal of it. Right. And just to be clear, it doesn't mean that like, just accept the socks because it's all in your head. It's not. It's saying like, hey, it's having the being able to have the conversation that says, when you leave the socks on the floor, I feel like you're expecting me to pick them up. And so there's a disconnect because you're leaving the socks on the floor because you're getting into the shower and you just don't think to put them in the hamper. But here's how it's affecting me. You need to close that loop together, the two of you. Because, I mean, the other thing that I think is very important to story is that we are all the central character in our own story. Yeah. And that other people's role in our story. I mean, everyone's had this experience, right, where someone said to them, I could tell when you did X that you were trying to send me this message. And you think to yourself, barely know who you are. Like what? I was right. What are you talking about? Like you have suddenly become the antagonist to a protagonist that you've never even thought about. Right. That like someone tells you when you did X, it affected me in this way. And you just think, oh, my God. I mean, I was doing X because I had to get my kid to soccer. Right. I was running late. I was thinking about something else. I had had a bad day. Right. Right. The reason I didn't say hi to you was not that I think less of you than other people. Right, right. I see what you're saying. Right. That like the centrality of ourselves and our own story is often misleading, right? That you see other people as characters in your own story, but other people actually have their own stories going on in which you may not even play a role. You know, you may not even be a character in their story. 
Well, think about it. Like your husband comes out of the shower, sees those socks on the floor and his appraisal of those is like those socks are on the floor and I'm late for a Zoom that starts in five minutes. But if I don't pick up those socks, I'm going to hear about it later because somebody is always looking for the negative around here. And right. And then so the socks mean something completely different to somebody else. And yes, they're not entirely wrong. Like the Gottman Institute does a lot of marriage counseling. And the thing that they talk about all the time that I have a really hard time with is that two things are true. That in a disagreement between partners, there is 99.9% of the time two valid points of view. Yeah, that's tricky. If it isn't, you shouldn't have stolen money from me. It's usually, you know, it's like, you don't listen to me. Will you do this? Will you do this? That those are two valid points of view, two stories that are being told. Neither is perfectly true, but neither is perfectly false. Right. And that's where we get stuck. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think this has been a revelation of my older years a little bit. The idea of like... My husband talks about in business, right? That like if you ask, you know, 10 people at a company, like, what does this company need? Like the chauffeur of the company is going to be like, we, this company needs one thing. It's better cars. <laughs> and then the secretary is like, we need more updated computers. That's the one thing this company needs, right? And then the guy, the chef of the company is like, we need the one thing this company needs is better cookware. Like we, everybody has their own reality and their own story. And in, you know, having just traveled with a big group, it's like everybody's sort of like, well, what I need is, you know, to sleep in. Well, what I need is to get to that. Like, it's it's hard to find center when you've got seven legit stories going on. Mm. And understanding that you are the baker and someone else is the chauffeur and that both of your truths are true is so challenging. Can we talk about taking things personally? Because I feel like that's something I struggle with. Oh, let's. I'm great at it. And I think it's related to this. Like I figured that out doing the research for this episode. So I've often been told in my life that I should stop taking things personally. And I hate when people tell me that. It's a very annoying thing to hear. Yes. Yeah. Because it's often in response to if one of my kids says to me, like, mom, why do you make everything worse all the time? And then I'm told I'm not supposed to take that personally. Like, it was intended personally. I'm not really sure. Like, I'm not imagining that my kids said something negative about me. They just said so. So how else are you supposed to take it? But personally, right? So I get stuck in that. And I think I get stuck in, no, no, that story's wrong. And let me show you why your story is wrong, actually. Let me correct that clearly incorrect story, at least from where I stand. But even if you're resisting the story, you're accepting it. I guess that means taking things personally, that you're, you're looking at somebody else's story and saying, that's not true. Well, of course, it's not true. It's not your story. It's their story. And I think maybe getting stuck there is where I'm having a problem, like being too concerned about the stories other people tell themselves and what my role might be in those. Like, yes, I hope in your story, I'm the fairy princess, right? Because I'm the fairy princess in my story. So I should be in yours as well. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of stuff going on there. One is that we want to be the hero in our own story and everyone else's story. So when we lose that footing, it's painful for us. Right. But that sometimes gets in the way of learning, right? That, I mean, we've talked about this with people talking about anti-racism, for example, that like, as long as you're coming into the story of like trying to understand and, and unpack some stuff around racism, that 
as if you're too busy holding on to the shield of like, but I'm a great person. I'm not part of the problem. I'm part, you know, it gets in the way of learning some things. If you're too busy holding on to the story of like, I already get it. I'm great at it. And I'm, you know, I'm never going to make a mistake. I didn't mean it right. Or I didn't mean it like that. Like, make sure you correct my perception of you and your story. Right. Right. That like the most important thing about this work is everyone understanding that I'm a good person. Right. And that that story, I think, is something that happens with our kids or our in-laws or our parents is like. And sometimes my kids do say, you know, at the end of a European vacation that like we saved for for months to be like, I'm bored. We never do anything fun. Like, <laughs> am I supposed to let that lie and be like, you're right, kid. Well, that's your story. And that's fun. like, no, but actually screaming at them like I just took you on an expensive vacation doesn't go well either. It's complicated. It's hard. I have a uh, something that I think might help. There's a psychologist. His name is Nick Wignall. And so he says when you're taking things personally, he says that you're valuing other people's opinions or stories too much and your own not enough. So if you're taking things personally, what he's suggesting that you change is when you're criticized, you tell yourself a story right then. And that's the story you want to pay attention to. Pay attention to the story you tell yourself when somebody criticizes you. All right. Give me an example, though. What's the story you tell yourself? Well, I think it would be that when my kid says to me, mom, you make seriously everything worse, that my child actually means that. And I need to disabuse my child of that notion, lest we grow up to never speak to each other again, as opposed to mm -hmm. I have a teenager who's blowing off steam for this 30 seconds. Oh, I'm not good at that. Right. Or that my response to that is to make sure that they understand that I'm actually perfect, right? Or that I'm actually blameless in the story that they have set up. I think that I need to do that. That's the story I need to tell myself. I need to rescue myself from their <laughs> completely quicksilver, momentary, lowered opinion of me, which is, and if I'm the safest place to put their frustration, I need to let that go. I need to not feel like I need to correct that, even if it upsets me. Like I get stuck on the don't let it bother you. Well, it does bother me. It was actually intended to bother me. So how can I not let it bother me? Well, I cannot let myself feel that I'm not worthy in exchange to, you know, an offhanded comment from somebody who's having a bad day. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think in general that your story can't really live outside yourself, right? At a certain point, you have to understand and be comfortable with your own choices so that anyone coming along and saying, you know, your podcast stinks, you're ugly, you look old, you're a bad mom, you're, you know, that like you can't hand your story to every single person who walks by. And I think when we started the podcast, we were a little bit like, oh, this one reviewer said this one thing and I say like too much and I have to train myself at it. It's a little bit like, 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 it's a little bit like... <laughs> Or maybe this isn't the right show for that person. And like, we can't be everything to everybody. And not everybody's gonna dig you because you're, you know, I don't know. It's tricky. But obviously, with your kids, it's a little bit different. Like, you don't want your kids to see you. You want to be a good part of your kid's story, but not you can't be every day. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think they're on their own journey. And what I want to talk about after the break is I think it's not about not telling ourselves stories, but to be more careful about curating the stories we tell ourselves. Like the solution to changing the stories we tell ourselves is not don't tell yourself stories, but tell yourself good ones. Tell yourself one that, that help you instead of ones that don't. All right. We'll be right back. 
Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, what type of car mom are you? From the What Fresh Hell podcast, the camp counselor. All right, kids, that was a great game of I Spy. Next up, let's all play the license plate game. The music historian. How dare you? This is not old people's music. This is a seminal 90s R&B classic, Just Kicking It, by Xscape. They are sometimes referred to as the hip-hop version of En Vogue. They were discovered by Jermaine Dupree and went on to have hits like The Professional. In you go, kids. We've got 7.45 a.m. drop-off at Swim Team, and then we'll be right on time for our 8.02 drop-off at the baseball field. Then swing by the Browns, drop off Henry, pick up Christy. As long as the left turn lane on Maple isn't blocked, we'll be right on time for 8.30 at the Girl Scouts. The Karaoke Queen. Oh, my God, kids. Here comes the key change. You're here. There's nothing I fear. I believe that my heart will go on. The cars are my time for heartfelt talks, Mom. So listen, guys. How's it going? How are the friendships? Who's feeling peer pressure, huh? I just want you to know, like my kids know, I am always an askable person. Any questions, no topic off limits. Any questions about sexually transmitted diseases, friends? 
anyone. This is Ben. What type of car mom are you? From the What Fresh Hell podcast. All right, Amy. How are we doing stories? Tell me. We're changing them. This is an Esther Perel idea, but it really blew my mind. I'm like, right, okay. It isn't always understand exactly what's happening as the truth and don't read anything into anything. It's just pick better stories for yourself. So she says, you know, Esther Perel, right? With her beautiful accent. Oh, she is a you know relationship expert. I won't do her accent for you, but she's, I'll put the link to the YouTube video. She's just lovely and relaxing and just like, kind of like a Sophia Loren of relationships. It sounds winning. So, yes. So she suggests that stories are adaptive, that they're how we survive. And you tell yourself a story to get through a moment. Like, think about this, like, a dog bites you. And the story that you tell yourself in that moment is like, I'm in danger, right? But then the next time you see a dog, a dog might come up to you with its tail wagging and you're still kind of freaking out that dogs are dangerous, even though this dog isn't dangerous because you've had a previous experience. So it isn't even like your story was always false. It maybe was once true, but it's not true now, or it's not true in this situation, or it's not true anymore. Like, you know, that you don't ever have any time to do anything for yourself. That was definitely true when the twins were 18 months, but now they're seven. You know, that your stories change over time and you don't actually adapt them and that you perhaps should. Oh, let me give you an example of this, which I may have given on the podcast before. My mother at some point, I believe I was in my mid 30s and I was drinking soda out of a can. And she said, I don't trust you around cans of soda. (laughs) Because when I was young, once I pulled the tab off of a can of soda and it got stuck in the dishwasher and broke the dishwasher. And I said, Mother, what is the statute of limitations on this crime? I believe this happened when I was maybe 12, maybe a teenager. But we're looking at at least a 20 year span between the time that I did this crime and that I was no longer being trusted to drink soda. I mean, we're talking like 10 to 15 years outside of the home as an adult drinking soda with that with no other problems. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. With very little ramifications. But I find that I have a kid like I could if you say to me, like, which is your kid who is not responsible? Which is your kid who is responsible? Which is your kid who is a picky eater? Which is your kid who is spacey and can't be trusted to hold stuff? I mean, Those are the kind of stories that I think we have to watch with our kids, because I know for myself that I spent a lot of my time in my family of origin in the role of like Goofus, you know, Goofus and Gallant is not even an oldie lux alert for me back in my day, but it used to be a highlights magazine, like the bad kid and the good kid. But I definitely was the kid who was like pig pen, the mess, like disorganized, always losing stuff. You can't trust her with things. And at midlife, I still occasionally get tagged that way of like, oh, don't let Meg load the dishwasher. She's crazy. And it's like, okay, she's crazy with the soda tabs. (laughs) I'm very old now. Like these things are no longer accurate about me. I've been running my own household now for two, three decades. So... I can load a dishwasher. It's fine. Yep. And so you change the story. You change the story for yourself. So this is like a hack that we've all seen before. What would you tell your 18-year-old self if you could go back? So Esther Perel in this in this YouTube video that I was watching suggests like that's what she's asking you to do. That exercise. If you could go back and tell yourself something, how would you change the story for that 18-year-old? You know, for me, it might be like, don't wait for that boy. Go do the thing you wanted to do, right? Don't change your life to suit whoever you're dating 
in, you know, 1990, whatever, go live your life. That might be right. an example. Or, uh, you know, I don't know, believe in yourself, whatever. But we can do the same thing for ourselves now. We don't, it's much easier to see with the distance of time, the things that you are getting wrong and misperceiving in your cognitive distortions of a long time ago. But can you apply that same stuff to now? What would you tell yourself? If you could tell yourself that you have a, you know, a loving spouse who does a ton around the house and is kind of always in a pretty good mood and never gives anybody a hard time. You know, that's the story you tell yourself. You have to be deliberate about it. But if you change it, well, then it helps. I think there's two things. One is that, right, the story about ourselves. Like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm doing great as a mom. Like those kind of stories. I am enough. This is just a pause. I'm not washed up this maybe there's something else out there but for right now i'm just in a season like there's lots of stories we can tell ourselves and then this flips to our maximum generosity place too where we try to tell ourselves the best possible story about other people and this is something that i struggle with because i am very much the star of my own story and so this person at my kids school meeting who isn't respecting me enough and doesn't understand my kid like i do is my enemy right and so then i go in to have a confrontational story with this person but i find that i get better results when i can say our story is two people working for the best outcome for this kid and so let's like be on the same page and figure that out. And my story about my husband who was put on earth to be in my way because he's not as good at running the house as I am, like that affects our relationship, you know, and just trying to change the story that I tell about other people, you know, my parent who is over demanding of my time and like doesn't understand that I'm busy and it's not all about them. What if the story is like, this is a person who loves me and misses me and wants more time with me. And how can I accommodate that? Like flipping our stories for ourselves, but also flipping our stories towards other people in our lives. Super challenging, but really important. Yeah. And it's not about be more of a doormat. It's just like move through your life with a little more happiness and, and ease, right? That's the goal. You're not doing this so that you won't be mad that other people take advantage of you. You're doing this so that you feel more happier and peaceful in your daily life because you're not choosing to focus on where you perceive slights. Or maybe you address the slights. Maybe you have a conversation about it. You say to your partner, when you do this, I tell myself the story of X. Like Maybe it's worth talking about it, but it's also worth changing it. I think it can be a really easy construct. I think that when you meet up with a friend who you haven't seen and, you know, you have been maybe neglecting their friendship, I think that there can be a room and this is a little tweet tweet and it's not exactly how I would have this conversation, but your story can be like, I think your story is that I don't care about you anymore because I have kids now and that's fulfilling my life. And my story is, I am so overwhelmed and I miss our friendship, but I'm just drowning right now in my life. You know, that it's, it, it can be a helpful way to have conversations with people about, as you were saying, that your truth and my truth can both be true and that we can respect both of those things and find a solution if we're both being honest about what that looks like. And your thinking that you want to see the kids, you know, every single day and my feeling of 
I'm overwhelmed just having to get the kids dressed to show up for you. Those stories don't match. So like, what's a solution that we can both find? Or maybe you can say to your husband, your mom's story is that we're neglecting her. My story is that the times that we see her are overwhelming for me for these reasons. Like, how can we make these stories match up a little bit more easily? Yeah. And there might be a solution, right? The mom comes to visit you more or whatever, right? Once you sort of address, that makes so much sense to me. And even just telling the mom, the mom, like, it's so great when we get to see you, we value that time so much that like you're feeding her story. It makes it easier than just being like, it's all walls and barricades and sharp sticks pointing outwards and saying like, we need our own time. And these are our boundaries, you know? I mean, these hacks, they do sound maybe a little tweet tweet, but they can work. I was just talking to one of my kids last night. They have a friend who stutters, but only sometimes, you know, it's sort of in certain circumstances and not others. So this person decided to try hypnotherapy and it was explained to them that this will be a very long process, but we're going to try to rewire your brain. And it had a long conversation about 45 minutes of how this was going to work, that it was going to require probably six months and maybe 10 minutes right at the end of repeating a mantra while deeply relaxing over and over again, I am a confident communicator. This person had repeat this like a hundred times while under deep relaxation for the first of what were to be, you know, 20, 30 visits. Guess what? (laughs) It worked. It worked in one visit. The person hasn't had to go back and they might have to fix their story again, right? They might have to readdress it or whatever, but just rewiring it worked that quickly in this very concrete case, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, I do think that like your what you tell yourself and this is not into the like Oprah, the secret manifesting like I I don't believe in that stuff. But I do think that what you tell yourself is going to be your reality on some very, very fundamental level. Right. It's changing the stories about what's already happening in your life. Not like I'm going to be a bestselling author and I'm going to manifest. I mean, do that if you want. But what we're talking about is like, I'm kind of unhappy. I'm in this. Oh, my gosh. What does Lynetta Willis call it? Stable misery. Stable misery. Yeah. If you're in a little bit of stable misery, there might be a story that you can try to rewrite that just makes you a little happier on your Tuesday. And that's worthwhile. That's right. You're not manifesting uh, a new life and you're not like, it doesn't matter that I have, you know, a dread disease because I'm manifesting happy. It just is like small changes of perspective that can make a difference in, as you said, in your Tuesday. Solved it. Solved it, Amy. Love it. We have a new newsletter. We're going to send it out about once a month. We're not going to be jamming your inbox, but about once a month, we're going to send out links to some of our favorite episodes from the past month. Any news as to what Margaret or I might be doing next, news about where you can find us, what we're reading, what we're listening to, what we're watching. And you can go to our website, which is webfreshhellpodcast.com, and there'll be a little pop-up. You sign up for the newsletter and you'll start getting it. I like news about where we are. Like I'm at the grocery store or I'm sitting on my couch (laughs) watching reality TV. It's not that exciting. Not getting your hair colored. (laughs) Not getting my hair colored. Now, trying to go to the gym, but not going. That's next up. So yeah, check the newsletter for all those exciting updates, friends. And with that, we will talk to you next time. So long. Thanks for listening. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? 
play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.